Broadcasting live from UNLV. KUNV Las Vegas. That's how we already know. 91.5, The Rebel HD2.
Welcome back. Welcome back to our Juneteenth celebration. I am your host, Terrell Emerson, in studio now with Daryl D. Hoop Harris. Hoopster. Happy day. What's good, Hoopster? I know it ain't Sunday, but I woke up with uh, some extra salt in my socks this morning. Oh, my gosh, bro. And I I think we didn't have Dr. Javon Johnson, Mufaro Hungwe, Garrison Girth, uh, uh, who else was on? Uh, Dr. Jamie Canty. You still just getting it. It just hit 12 o'clock. And it's just hitting 12. They just some people just waking up. It's a vibe, man. I'm feeling so good out here. <laughs> got Stevie in the background. We got some people that came in today and gave us the gospel. I'm feeling good. I forgot to light this incense before I started the segment. Ugh, whatever it is, what it is, I'll light it in a second. Um, what have we discussed so far on this Juneteenth celebration? We have discussed the African dias- uh, diaspora. We have discussed slave trades. And if you want to rehash anything, Please. go for it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm here to shoot it with you. Please. As long as you're down, I'm down. And I'm trying to think. Uh, okay, never mind. I almost accused Brittany in the uh, green room of having my phone, but it's right here. <laughs> <laughs> so let me apologize in advance for that. My bad, Britt. Um, again, 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 this show has been so, so heavy so far. Been on air live since little before seven just had some music playing the conversation started at seven and as i've said before we've discussed the african diaspora we've we've discussed slave trades we've discussed trauma of the black body we've discussed black wall street we even had something discussed that we didn't have on this list in uh the j cole and no name back and forth currently i don't want to call it a back and forth but their situation currently uh and then we just got through speaking about hiring practices and being black in the workplace um And now for the next two hours, we're talking blacks in the military and we're talking the prison pipeline. I'll be excited. I'll be excited to be joined by. I didn't even see, man. This was a surprise to me when I saw the post with some of the guests for today. That uh, my fraternity brother, Elliot Johnson, will be here later on. I said, oh, he will be here. He will be here to talk the prison pipeline with us. EJ is going to be here. Yeah. And if you know anything about EJ, he's souped up. And it's not somebody that's a lot more qualified than I to speak on the experience of being black in the military. Um, but vicariously, I feel like I have some experiences um, that I can reflect on. Right. Uh, but it's funny when you look at the history of uh, the military. It was kind of a uh, it was one of the first institutions that bridged the gap in terms of segregation. Um during World War II, um, there were that was pre-civil rights, but that was one of the first instances where people looked at themselves and they recognized, like, you know what? If I can fight alongside this man, if I could put my life on the line, if I could take in the camaraderie that comes with being in the armed forces, serving uh, during wartime, if, if I could put my life on the line and trust this person, there's there's no place for discrimination. If right. we're all equal, this um, shouldn't and that was uh, th- that was kind of the beginning of some people um, adopting uh, a more open mindset. But it's a tragedy that some of those same men that fought came back and couldn't vote mm. or were shunned their right to vote. Mm. Um, so, of course, there's work that has to be done. And but it's, it's a unique role that the military plays. 
And and speaking of that, I do want to kind of start this segment off with um some some that some statistics like I've been doing so far this morning. Yeah. Uh, Statista.com. Hey. Actually, in case you guys need to know about it, but as of 2018, 46.04 percent of active duty enlisted, um, or excuse me, active duty members are listed as black. Twenty eight. In 2018, uh, 46.04%. 46. But interestingly enough, 29.22 of that percent are women. Rest in peace to Breonna Taylor. Man, you know that that was my first position in the entire, uh, if I was on for the whole hour for the Black in the Workplace Mm -hmm. segment, that probably, I would have rested on that hill the entire time that I feel... If we really want to make change, we have to encourage women in leadership Absolutely. and push for that. I'm happy you um, said that, too. Thank you. For but that. that's interesting. That's interesting that, that women make up that percentage of our representation in the military, actually outnumbering the men then statistically. Right. And that's what's kind of interesting, because even digging a little deeper, CFR.org says that 43 percent of all men and 56 percent of all women listed in the military are minorities fighting for our country so i find it real interesting that white people say this is our country this is statistically speaking even though you guys are the majority you guys aren't fighting for real it's interesting um and also to, to to just Pull pull the sheets back some on some more stuff. It's hilarious that they took offense to a peaceful protest and saying that it was disrespectful to the flag <laughs> when the numbers of the people fighting and upholding that flag are of reflective of minorities. So it's not like it's not like they listen though. So I'm not even sure how I'm not sure how much we're supposed to like when, when Doc was on when Dr. Johnson was on and he was speaking about uh, like the black on black crimes. And he said, just plain and simple, it's a diversion. So that kind of let me know how to address it moving forward by him letting me know it's just a diversion. So the conversation in itself is a diversion. So I wonder how much of it do we try to beat the point across or do we just kind of let it let it be what it is? Because. Um, I guess I'll, I'll jump to this now, but this was kind of one of the last points I wanted to make. But we we mentioned Colin Kaepernick's name a couple of times. Shout out to Twice, who actually um, goes back with Cap, and we didn't even know that. So shout out to Twice for that. But Cap had a conversation with a retired Army Green Beret whose mm-hmm. name is Nate Boyer. And he said that he was all for the protests originally. He just felt, though he didn't see it as disrespectful, he felt one could deem sitting down as disrespectful. So he asked Cap would he take a knee for people like him. That was the compromise. And Cap said no problem. Who should take offense then? The people that aren't fighting? Are those the people right now that are taking offense? No, I'm saying that there should be no offense taken. Oh, no, I'm at, saying, at, yeah, but the people the that aren't fighting are the ones oh, that's taking offense. Oh, yeah, I heard, I misheard you. Yeah, so, no, correct. I might have misspoke because I've been, like I said, I've been here since like six. I'm sorry. But um, 
as I've said before, this this issue that has been placed at our feet. It's like it's like a book has been placed at our feet at everybody's foot feet. But it's like white people refuse to read the pages. Actually pick it up. Yeah, it's right there. If you look at it for real. It's not even that deep. It's like chapter three. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's kind of when you open it up. It's kind of in the preamble. But anyway, um, this is what's interesting. Blacks fought to gain liberation. Or excuse me, blacks fought for the liberation of others in hopes of gaining theirs. Sheesh. And I'm going to say that one more time. And Stevie, I, I, I love you, but we're going we're gonna to cut you off. Yeah. So I'm going to say that one more time. Blacks in the millet Drew Brees, 45, Tucker Carlson, Tommy Lauren, Laura Ingram, Ben Carson, because you, you, you pissed me off earlier. <laughs> Black people in the military were fighting for other people's liberation with the hopes of gaining their own. It's almost, and again, to draw a connection, it's almost the equivalent of wanting to be a part of a cartel or a mafia or a gang or whatever the case may be. And they tell you, okay, cool, you gotta go, you gotta go do this play for me. You gotta go, you gotta go go hit this lick for me. You gotta go do X, Y, and Z for me. And then you realize by the fifth or sixth time that you still ain't gained entry into the club. Dog, I'm not finna keep doing this. Simply on the put. strength? Yeah. On the strength. You want me to do it on the strength? <laughs> no. No. I'm not doing it anymore. No, for real. It's so easy. It's so easy to to just take a few moments and contextualize what our ancestors went through and just mm. tap into that emotion it's like how um it makes me angry thinking about it how did they live it how did they endure it how did they live it without knowledge of if it'll end like it's just it's it sounds it sounds crazy it's simply crazy like but when i spoke about blacks fighting for others liberation in hopes of gaining their own they fought to the tune of five Medal of Honors and 29 Certificates of Merit to come home and not be able to visit your local bar. Mm -hmm. I've been waiting for this one. This is one of the ones I couldn't wait to get to. Yeah, and it's a tough topic because I feel like uh, joining the military, serving... It, it's something about legacy, the call to action, there's duty. Um, and it, interestingly enough, my grandfather served. Uh, my uncle served, who's actually my namesake. Blessings. Um, rest in peace, both of them. Rest in peace. Um, and my dad's encouraged me. He's encouraged me and my older brother. Both of them, before we graduated high school, hey, check out the Coast Guard. Hey, check out being in the Marine, in the Peace Corps. Check out, you know whatever you think might be for you because there are incentives and that could be a, a reason that a lot of people look into serving is because all right i could do a number of things upon high school graduation right 
this investment will ensure me medical benefits and, you know, hopefully at least housing and some form of income for, you know, the rest of my life. That's, of course, not guaranteed. Right. Um, and, you know, we see that in high schools. We see ROTC programs. We see recruiters that come to high schools and, and make their pitches to, to students who – and I, I don't know how I feel about that because, like you said, the ones who – want to be prideful about our history and neglect the, the, the fact of our history aren't the ones who are downing the uniforms. So interesting. for our country to promise us, you know, so many things. And it, I don't really like the recruitment aspect of right. minors to devote themselves to something that they might not know if they stand with or not. So you heard Dr. J when he went off about that earlier, when he said that he got in trouble in high school for mm. going. Okay. So I didn't know if you heard that. So he got in trouble in high school, supposedly because he said that he was at the black college uh, fair and the military was there. And he said he nutted up and was like, this isn't, that's not a school. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, well they could pay for it. That's not what I said. I'm here at a college fair. Why are they here? And I can only imagine how radical it seemed in high school. But like I said, I didn't know the full extent until I For got real. to Julie Davis For and real. got to Cerritos College and, and met Julie Traeger and learned about uh, humanities and learned about that. That was a humanities and history teacher. Not in that order. Julie mm -hmm. Davis was history and Julie Traeger um, is uh, humanities. And. And ironically enough, those are two. And I've said it before. Those are two white women. And Julie, Julie is uh, Jewish. So those are two women that I hold in a regard to the, a, a, a day like today, Juneteenth, our celebration, which is going on right now in 91.5, the Rebel HD2, KUNV, Las Vegas. Those two women are two people that I hold so highly in regards to something like this. And they don't share the same skin tone as me. Mm -hmm. So to see them be overly aggressive with the teachings like they had to let us know i'm undoing 12 years 13 14 years of just bad info so there were times when dr javon johnson and julie davis and julie traeger and professor can dr canty and omeka who's going to join us later on professor david berrigan who they encourage that conversation and they welcome that conversation but it needs to be just that it needs to be a conversation it needs to be something that's taken i shouldn't say taken to them per se but they're they're ready to meet it head on whenever the situation arises i guess we're kind of where i'm trying to go with the point um julie davis who helped me outline this right now this and the prison pipeline she taught me one thing that just kind of stuck, and that was the Spanish-American War. Mm -hmm. And to realize that the statement that I made earlier about blacks fighting for other people's liberation in hopes of gaining their own, that's exactly what they were doing for Cubans. That's exactly what they were doing for Cuba. And on top of that, in addition to going up, because it was 17,000 people that was sent, 3,000 of those were black. 3, 000, excuse me, 17,000 men were sent, 3,000 of those were black. This is what's interesting, though. They weren't just going over there to fight the war. 
it was believed that as Dr. Canty explained earlier, especially when that much movement is going on and it's that day and age and there's diseases that are transferred from country to country, continent to continent. So it was well known that that Spanish-American war was not going to just be fighting against other troops. You were going to be fighting against tropical diseases. Remember that point that I made two weeks ago about Drew Brees being ignorant? Mm-hmm. And remember how I made that overarching point about white people, if you want to be the majority and you guys want to have all these these things that you guys claim that you want to have or deserve to have. You guys sure do claim ignorance a whole lot. Yeah. And the reason why I said that is because it was believed that blacks were were immune to the tropical diseases that were in Cuba. Just by definition, wouldn't that make me superior if I can go to Cuba and not get sick and you go over there and die? Like, don't that make me the superior? Okay, I don't know. I don't. Where's 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 a doctor? I need one of these professors to come back because now I'm just about to ramble. (laughs) But no, this is this is what this is what happens. Like me and Julie Davis, we used to have these conversations and we would sit back and forth with each other and we would just ask the question of like, why? I don't know if we ever got to an answer, but it was just, it was, it's the conversation. Got something for me? Yeah, it's, these are actually, is, are nice, they go hand in hand, this, this uh, grouping of the, of being black in military and the prison industrial complex, um, because as a young male, um, you have, like, like I said earlier, you reach the age where, all right, which lane are you going to go in? Which decision are you going to make? for your adult life and it's a shame that the prison system that we have Mm. is so essential to the economy of our country that they're perfectly content with young black adult males being simply food to feed that 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 hunger that they have it's unfortunate and it's like there's not many other realities besides besides pursuing an education because we see the disparities in the workplace we see that if we're young and black that's apparently a threat Garrison <laughs> and spoke about that too. if you join the military you no longer have free speech mm-hmm. uh the chapter i belong to in las vegas is, has a lot of veteran bros and we had this conversation publicly in a forum not too long ago re- very recently within the past week about explicitly no once you're in the military, you no longer have free speech because you can't impinge upon your superiors. Mm. Um, so what choices do we have? If you're banking on us to go to jail right. because that's a crucial investment for the country, which is it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that we have the largest uh, criminalized population in the world. It's embarrassing that like that's, that shouldn't be the case especially when so many of those crimes are for nonviolent offenses. So, and we're, of course we're going to get into that as well. And, and that's what was just so interesting because when we speak about the Spanish American war and we think about it from the lens of what they returned home to, that's where I get a little uneasy, I guess is the word. I couldn't find anything to support the exact roundabout number of the black population in Florida or in Tampa at that time. 
But what I did find is that it was so prominent that if I recall correctly, there have been pieces written during that time. I believe it was Troops of Florida or something along the lines of that. Uh, do I have it? So while I'm looking for that, it was... um. It's the point that I'm trying to make in terms of that population was if you know anything about geography, if you know anything about a map and you look at where Florida is and you look at where Cuba is, they're right next door. So the way that blacks would come home and literally be ran out of local bars and that, that's one thing i keep mentioning not be able to walk the streets where they live and things of that nature i wonder how much of it as as dr canty said they remind us of certain positions that they want us to remain in that's why we were never taught about the slaves that fall back that's why we were never taught about certain things because it preaches power mm -hmm. mm. So I just wonder what was that message that they were supposed to get coming home after fighting and now they're being beaten and attacked and nothing happens. There's no type of, of defense for them. And this is where I get to a book like Born on the Fourth of July by Ron Kovic. Have you read that book? Mm -mm. No. Please read that book read that book bro since julie davis put that book in my hand and i think it was in 2013 every fourth of july i no longer say happy independence day i no longer say just certain things in general whenever somebody says it to me i say happy family day go reborn on the fourth of july and i'll leave it at that because ron kovic is somebody and if you are gonna read it and you're gonna oh it's a call to action I, i'm trying not to do this i can't really entice people like go go read this book i love this book go if you would book. like to <laughs> yes if you would like to find out more about this book please check out our social medias we're going to post some books um uh, the rebel hd2 on instagram on facebook on um twitter want to check out our website the rebel hd2.com if you guys want to hear anything from this June team celebration here on 91.5, the Rebel HD2 KUNV Las Vegas. I'm Terrell Emerson in studio with Daryl D. Hoop Harris. Yes, sir. And if you're if you are gonna read that book, I'm gonna let you know right now, I'm gonna ruin a couple of things right now. Um Ron Kovic and listening to the army, I don't wanna say the wrong age but he enlisted into the army really really young like one of the first things that he thought he was he, he mm -hmm. wanted to do or he knew he wanted to do the issue that i have with this book and it just draws so much so much emotion out of me ron kovic expresses that his birthday is july 4th and he literally says in the book he felt like it was his that he was born to fight for this country wow so in doing so, I think it was Vietnam. I, if I'm wrong, somebody please point it out to me. I've, I've, 
I've read this book a, a hundred times, but then I, it's been a while since I've last read it. I'll put it that way. Um, I'm wondering if, how can I put it? I'm wondering if, or what the, the education was like in terms of Ron Kovic uh, heading into it. Because he expressed that even though he was born on the 4th of July, he explained that once going and being wounded in, in battle, he ended up being paralyzed. Damn. I'm not going to walk through the entire story about what he experienced in terms of being paralyzed and things of that nature. But what I will say is the imagery that he portrayed when he got back to the States is what was interesting because he said that the, that life was operating as usual. And meanwhile, he's in, he's trying to recover back in Vietnam and he's going through all these different things. And he gets back to realize that everybody in America has been living their lives accordingly. And he said it was in that moment that he realized that they were sent to Vietnam, but never expected to come back. I have never looked at a war the same. Yeah, it's a tough idea to buy into. I'm not really sure. And if anybody's in the green room who wants to go ahead and make a call, go ahead and please have at it. Um, I am hopeful that some of these numbers are eye-opening. I'm hoping that some of these numbers are shocking in a sense. But the belief and the, and the understanding that Ron Kovic had to come to grips with the fact of they were sent with no intent. And I think that's the hardest thing because you can't prove intention. Mm -hmm. So when he said that they were never expected to come back, it was because he saw it. Yeah. When they came back, there was no risk. There was no welcome for them. And that has to be extremely disheartening for your reality to be uh, one in the middle of, of wartime, um, in the midst of it even better. And then to kind of expect, you know, you're sold this hope of, you know, your country depends on you. You know, it's up to it's up to us. And to realize that so many people are indifferent or ignorant of actually what's going on or people that are making that sacrifice, I, I surely bet that that was disheartening to see. And I feel like that a lot, a lot of veterans deal with that. Most definitely. And I think it's, it's just one of those things to where when people think that it's just white veterans, that's what kind of confuses me a little bit. You know what I'm, I'm thankful for? Um, because one thing that's happened ever since the, the recent protests have, have, have reignited in this country, um, it, it's shown how poorly 
of a job the education system has done. Oh, man. Um, especially when we're talking about U.S. history, uh, speaking of the history of civil rights, and accurately documenting the history of black people in this country. And you just see the, the, the how much they minimalized its importance and didn't care to, to, to show what actually happened because... Oh, what I wanted to say was the mm-hmm. one thing I'm glad they actually did. I'm glad they did. You see the movie Glory coming up in school? I feel like I did, but I feel like they show Glory in a lot of schools. I feel, let me see. Let me Google. I'm gonna let you go ahead and make your point. And, let me, let me um, do some do my googles real quick. Yeah, if you haven't seen Glory, um, it's a movie starring Denzel Washington, um, and it's about the Confederacy versus the Union. And I did watch this. Which side, you know, black people, slaves at the time, you know, like where they fell in that fight. And I think that that movie is great. Um, actually, it's about time for me to watch it again, in fact. It, you know, some movies you just have to see periodically to, to remember how, how dope they are and tap into some history that are that's present in some films. But I'm glad that they showed that because there was no there was no softening of, of truths in that movie it, it shows you what it was like to be a slave fighting in a war that you had no say over um and schools didn't do much looking back to right. teach black history um and it, it's it's time for a change time to change that things like the things like black wall street yeah. Never being con- never being mentioned, never being implemented into textbooks. It shouldn't take us to reach higher education <laughs> to hear monumental events that actually occurred in this country. It, it shouldn't take us having this research our history for us to have been taught it. And it's just a shame that we prioritize the money that, as a country, um, prioritize the money that comes from you know institutions like military spending um and the prison industrial complex over actually educating our youth it it doesn't make sense and again if you guys are just tuning in to this blackout this blackout is in honor of juneteenth this is our juneteenth celebration you guys are listening to it on 91.5 the rebel hd2 KUNV Las Vegas, the broadcast service of UNLV i'm your host terrell emerson in studio right now with daryl d hoop harris Oh man, I feel the need to almost expand a little have bit. Have at it, have at that, it, bro. We got it's, it's like about twenty-five more minutes on the segment. Because and it's it's for this segment, um, but I think overarching, this is just my my point and mm-hmm. how we get to the next level and how we fight. And I'm sure you know ideas will come and we have. And I really encourage you know people to think radically and create you know, ideas that aren't existing currently. Uh, that has to happen for us to continue to evolve. But currently, the the number one avenue that I have to say must be must be important for us is, is pursuing education. Simply, simply put, we have to encourage our black teenagers. We have to empower our family members that are in high school and middle school we have to, have to, have to emphasize how much we want them to grow in education because from there, you will be an informed citizen and you will make the decision that you need to make. Whatever you feel like doing, go ahead. You won't be misguided due to ignorance. 
Right. But if we pers- if we encourage you to pick up a trait, pick up a career that you develop a deep, you know, interest for, a, an art and hobby, a playing an instrument, if we really just encourage somebody to go all in on their education at some point, we won't be taken advantage of. Mm. We won't settle for that. If in five years the number of black people with a degree starts to exponentially increase, the workplace is going to change because we will demand our leadership. Like black people won't be denied forever. Right. Like we've seen that. So I, I just I feel like, you know, it's funny because, you know, we we both we talked about this journey, man, and I wanna yeah. gotta talk more about it, but we're we're pretty much done with undergrad now and it's <laughs> We're looking at, all right, well, what's next, maybe? And you we're gave done, me a, 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 a super dope. I know. We're done, it's, man. It's you crazy claim because, that. We're yeah, done, it, it's school, man. School has been such a, you know, a pillar in right, our life. But, right, right, um, We talked about this and, like, what's next? You gave me a dope idea of just always being in school. Just, just yeah, always, just take, always take something. Um, But I, I found myself already being like, dang, what am I going to do if I'm not enrolled? Right. Like, it is so because I've wanted this freedom for forever. And <laughs> now you got it, and you're like, and I'm oh, like, shoot. what I got? What am I do with it? Shoot. I got this free time. On like my when head. I'm not at work, I'm like, all right, I need to get going. And it's tough because we've been on quarantine and we've been, you know, phase two in, and the right. world isn't the same right now. So right. We, we know it's not nothing's regular. But I'm like, you know what? I didn't think I was going to, but I might go right into the master's program and just and just get it rolling because be the best thing to do. you know. I feel like I just want to come for everything that I can get. And while the ball is rolling, let's keep it rolling. But that's the, I don't know. I found that in myself, which I was really surprised to to feel and, and like experience. But I just want to relate that to other people. Absolutely. Have that hunger for whatever it is you're doing. It doesn't have to be a four-year degree. It doesn't have to be a university. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't really even have to be college. If you go straight into working, pursuing a real estate degree, mm-hmm. Make it happen. If you go straight into pursuing your, your sport, make it happen. But we have to be solidified as a dose out here. And one way or another, you know, we got to be educated. And that being educated, that's a, that seems like a, a, an, 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 a general snapshot. I keep saying what our snapshots are going to be for this, for this Juneteenth celebration. But that's another one. Dr. Canty and Dr. Johnson both came on and said the exact same thing. Education is it is vital. You, we we no longer live in that in that generation of we don't know. Like it's you you have the materials around you to go know and go find out. And it's interesting because I use the word generation for a reason. I'm gonna point out another book. Evan Wright's Generation Kill. Shout out to Tommy Tompkins from Cerritos. Evan Wright's Generation Kill is written from the perspective of a rep- an, an embedded reporter who was sent to Iraq during the Iraqi war. Or it was, might have been Afghanistan. And long story a little less long, they were, he was an embedded reporter, so they told him, come out of it with a book. Figure out whatever it is and come back with the book. So everybody expected to, for him to come back with blood and gore and all these horrible stories, and which he did. But he came back and wrote a book called and wrote the book called Generation Kill. Because he said it, it didn't take him long to find out. I forgot who he heard speaking, but it was one of the higher ups. And they was talking about 
the ground level workers, essentially, which are the troops, the people mm-hmm. who put in the footwork. And they said that this is the first generation that came up, if I recall correctly, was on Mountain Dew and Grand Theft Auto. And he he, oh, he, he used a couple of other visceral words that I'm sure were said. And he said, essentially, this is what this generation is made for. This generation is made to be test dummies. Essentially, it's generation kill. This is the generation that was raised on violence and probably don't have much to offer us anyway. So let's just send them over to Afghanistan and see what happens. It makes you look at that Iraqi war a little bit different, doesn't it? Yeah, it was it was sense it was almost it's so counterproductive for those involved that it didn't seem to, you know, hold weight. Again, I'm not sure what comes of this. That's not what this event is even about. That's not what this program, this Juneteenth program is about. It's not about giving the answers. It's about creating the dialogue. Yeah. That's exactly what this moment is about. And as I've said before, this Juneteenth celebration is being conducted in the format of a workshop, like a conference. So every hour we've discussed something different. And that's what we're going to do in the one o'clock hour as well when we discuss the prison pipeline. If, if everything follows suit, we should have Sebastian Ross joining us. We should have Elliot Johnson joining us. Daryl will still be here. I oh, believe yeah, be here Brittany and Garrison are still in the green room. I believe Doc left. Mufaro will be back later on. But that's what this is for. There's There's been a lot of pauses for to let certain stuff sink in. Usually the pauses are coming after numbers, after stats, after statistics. I just think that it's, it's one of those times when it is, it's no better time than the present to question everything that comes across your table. Just question it all. Just question it all because Born on the Fourth of July and Generation Kill are two things that I look at as it's whistleblowing on the U.S. Mm-hmm. That's what I view those two books as. And again, shout out to Professor Julie Davis for helping me kind of come up with this. Um, and I, this I, is this is dope, man. This day, this day is truly dope. And like you said, we are we discussed this off air, but you said right. when you're finally done with this marathon of a day, <laughs> you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a sip. Oh man, I'm about to go celebrate. I'm gonna have to celebrate when I get off work I'm tonight. I, I have to celebrate. I have to. Uh, I have a bottle of wine in my fridge that hasn't been open now in like a month. So, I'll probably. You know what I mean? It feels. You know how certain days just feel different. You don't. Yes. You don't struggle to wake up. Yes. You like things fall in place. Like you absolutely. Today feels super cool, and I was happy the the blackout Tuesday that kind of. Uh, initiated some some unity right. in this movement i was i was super i was super proud that day i was like 
what i was like would you look at this <laughs> and we're right. gonna, and hopefully we're going to continue to try to do stuff especially during this that was my main takeaway program. this has to continue right this has to continue right. and juneteenth feels like it's a centering for all of us to kind of woosah all right right but like you said the dialogue has to be taking place it's not just the hey it's black today we lit right. we outside exactly. not exactly. at all we are we are outside. we are outside right now we out but let's 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 work let's plan let's talk because if we're on the same page man ain't nobody come on man. so we may be outside but i know you may be inside listening to this juneteenth celebration on 91.5 the rebel hd2 kunv las vegas i'm actually not gonna force anything i'm not gonna force any conversation or anything of the nature i'm gonna let life rock currently we will be back at the 1 p.m hour to discuss the prison pipeline we'll have some more guests for you until then i'm gonna let michael rock in the background
There's a place in your heart And I know that it is love And this place be much brighter than tomorrow And if you really try You'll find there's no need to cry In this place you feel there's no hurt or sorrow There are ways to get there If you care enough for the living Make a little space Make a better place Heal the world Make it a better place For you and for me And the entire human race There are people dying Living. 